0: the bloody elbow podcast network is moving that's right we're moving from soundcloud and youtube to substack it will still be available through your current itunes spotify and stitcher subscriptions but the main home of the bloody elbow podcast network will now be on substack while most of our audio content will remain free We'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.
1: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
0: Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 234 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined as always by my amazing co host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we're going to give you a little review of UFC 286, which was a great card. I very, very much enjoyed it. What did you think?
1: I enjoyed it as well. I had the, again, unusual uh, pleasure of being able to watch it live. And, um, yeah, and, uh, there was there was well, actually not not all of it. I, I only saw a bit of it near the end, uh, and then was able to catch up afterwards. So I didn't have to wait an entire you know overnight thing and all. Um, very compelling, very very compelling. I thought the main event delivered. Um, Co main event, obviously. I mean, it was it was a layup. You know, if this card had not been good, it would have been. Uh, We would have been asking a lot of questions as to what went wrong. But no, this was, as we expected, uh, a lot of fun. And uh, there were some uh, very cool surprises there, too. So, yeah, there's lots to what you want on this.
0: There really is. Let's start with the main event with Leon Edwards uh, (laughs) defeating Usman for the second time. So he's now up in their trilogy. Boy, his... He he clearly game-planned, and he for sure, for sure, watched a lot of tape. Yes. <laughs> um, He's got his cardio well in hand, but, you know, it should be noted. And I thank our good friend Knuckles Freeman on Twitter for bringing my attention to this. But in the last fight with Usman, um, when he got the Hail Mary, but up until that point, you know... Usman was lighting him up, and he was completely gassed. And the reason why was because that was his very first time ever fighting above sea level. And that, I think, is an important distinction to make. Hmm.
1: I didn't note that at all. I I was not aware of that.
0: I was not either. And I went back and sure enough, you know, he's given an interview about it and everything. But yeah, that was his first time. So that could have contributed a lot to how bad he looked up until the head kick.
1: Mm, And it benefits him because, you know, the UK is sinking into the ocean. So, I mean, it kind of, yeah, it worked to his advantage. And that's (laughs) that's good. And I, I think it's only made better by the fact that the UK should continue to sink even further.
0: Yes indeed. <laughs> um as far as the scoring, I have to hear you picked Edwards going in. I picked Usman going in. I had by my personal scorecard, I had Usman only taking one round, round 3. Now I will yes. say I will say this I did have him actually winning the round even without the point, but that was the only round that I saw for him in any regard.
1: Yeah. And that's where I thought, okay, this, this might be, we're probably going to be in trouble here. The possibility of a draw, right? Because I mean that point deduction, you know, necessary warranted, but Ooh, buddy, that, that kind of, that could have turned things pretty ugly. Um, and yeah i I agree that's the only round that I gave him. I see people trying to make cases for things being a little um more equitable let's say more 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 Maybe that's not the term I'm looking for more um generous i guess and and how they uh were looking into this and I guess maybe I should give it a rewatch myself but I'm not really gonna do that anytime soon, so I'm gonna stick with what I've got. I, I can see the case some of those rounds were a little closer than mm-hmm. than others. Obviously, this is what happens in fights like this all the time. So it is what it is. But as far as my recollection of things and, and this recency bias, I'm gonna agree with what you got.
0: <laughs> now one last thing. Judges scoring. Four there were two
1: forty-eight, forty-six cards. Oh boy.
0: I agreed with that score. I just wanna know what your actual score was. Was yours forty eight, forty six or did you have it some other way?
1: Yeah, I I only had I only had Usman winning that one round. Okay. So uh, that plus the deduction that would lead to yeah, that's I'm fine with that. Even though the rest of the judging, uh there were there were some head scratchers there. Yes. And it seemed to have been the one lone judge that everybody was was uh con I had would never heard of that guy before. So, you know, that's um it says something when suddenly everybody knows who you are for reasons like this. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And those things that are that that come up are not usually good.
0: Indeed. Now, one other thing that was intrinsically linked to this fight was the fact that Colby Covington, number one, was the backup fighter. Now, a lot of people were speculating about this, about whether the fighters know. I am going to Err on the side of caution and go with they know because there has to be a contract in place. There has to be negotiations. There has to be discussions. You, you don't just go in there and get the luck of the draw. Now, Leon Edwards said that he didn't know that Colby Covington was going to be the backup until he weighed in. And I don't believe that. I believe that they're coached to say such things to add to the shock value, but I do not believe that. I want to get your take on it.
1: I think that's a possibility, but I think it's likelier that if anybody finds out, it's probably their coach or their manager, Mm -hmm. and it might not be in their best interest to start getting them outside of their frame of mind or to get their mind going places where it shouldn't. When you've got this laser focus, you prepared an entire camp. You've got all these things in place, and now suddenly, last minute, you're fighting somebody completely different that you did not game plan for, that you did not adequately prepare for, that you did not have any inclination that you were going to be facing. Because I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that some fighters would suspect, especially at a main event level, because that's the only time you see stuff like this. But Anytime there's a fighter on standby, I don't think that any of the participants of the intended bout know who that person is. I'm sure some people suspect. Oh yeah, I'm sure they probably got a backup, but I don't think they always know. You know what I mean? Like even in a sport where nothing spreads faster than gossip and staff infections, um, I, I really don't. I, I'm not. I'm not really sure that that's the case. I mean, if you were coaching a guy or if you were managing a guy, do you want to rattle him up like that? I mean, you remember when? Um, Mighty Mouse was set to fight. I can't remember who it was. And they were like, well, train for this guy. But just in case he doesn't make weight, train for that guy. I think it was the Dillashaw fight that they were proposing. And it was like, oh, no, actually, there was, was some other bout because I remember Matt Hume was was upset about it. Hume was fuming. Uh, he was like, well, what do you mean? I mean, this guy's your champion. What do you mean He's going to train for two guys. You can't do that. And I think that's a lot of a lot of coaches think in a similar vein. Like I'm not going to start putting ideas in his head. Look, we prepared for this. We signed for this. And maybe, just maybe, if things don't work out, if on the scale we have to have a replacement, we have to bring in somebody else, we might not take it. I don't know that the fighters are necessarily obligated contractually to take the backup fighter. Uh, I'm not sure how that works. I'd have to see how that actually plays out. But that's just another layer to all this.
0: Indeed. Now let's get to Justin Gaethje taking on Rafael Fiziev.
1: Ooh, goody, let's.
0: We all chose Fiziev going into this fight. I have to say, this might be fight of the year in my book so far. That fight was just bonkers. And while Raphael Fiziev absolutely got that first round, it's the second round that I'm unsure of. How did you mm. see it?
1: Yeah, I, I think Justin's takeover... Probably got him that one, too. You know, I, I got to give I got to give fizzy of the first one. But the other two, I'm giving them to Justin. I think he just landed with more damage. You know, he just landed better shots. And overall, that. See, kinda, I'm not sure yeah.
0: about that. And mm. the only reason why I say that is it looked like fizzy of might have been landing the more impactful shots. But because he has one of those Nick or Nate Diaz faces that just tears open really easily. Oh, boy. He bleeds a lot. You know, he he definitely bleeds a lot. I, I mean, it didn't look like he was phased by a lot of those punches outside of the blood and the open cuts. But as yeah. far as what what it did, as far as if it moved him, if it phased him, if it wobbled him, I didn't see any of that.
1: Wait, here's a proposal is if it maybe it didn't fizz him. No, wait, no. We got to workshop that. We got to workshop that. That's not ready for prime time. Sorry
0: look at you trying to f- that's so fetch this whole situation
1: i know any he, hey listen give me enough time i'll be at joe rogan's comedy club doing anti woke shit
0: <laughs> so i have to go back and watch because i haven't but i should because i am still uncertain about that second round the third round was absolutely gay cheese yes. and that's something that to his credit, he's a master of, and that is winning rounds and winning fights based on that third round. He knows how to close out the fight
1: for sure. He does. He does. I mean, he just he put on su- more than sufficient pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. He got a good read on the timing and the movement that uh, Fiziev yeah. employs, and you know he uh, certainly. I mean shit it's it, I I don't mind him making me look like an idiot for picking against him. Uh I I think this was very much well worth watching and learning from, right? Because I think maybe maybe just maybe Fiziev you know was thinking of fighting him a certain way and maybe that wasn't mm-hmm. something that would it was in his particular wheelhouse. You know, he tried though. He gave it everything he could, but sometimes man, that's just the game.
0: Yeah, and you got a guy that came into that fight with 13 fights versus a guy that had almost 30 fights. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, come on. There's a lot of veteran savvy there to speak of. And mm-hmm. Justin Gage has really grown into that veteran savvy. Good fight IQ, too. Yeah. He didn't always used to have the best fight IQ. But no. he's definitely shoring up a lot of those weaknesses. I'm just sad that it's so late into his career because now he's talking about I don't have much time left. Yeah. Our Violence King is on a really really short window here, so we must you know, appreciate him.
1: You want to talk about this whole like they had this this bullshit BMF title. Like that's a guy. That's a guy that needs a BMF title. You understand? Like that's someone who really would would deserve it just as much well, no, probably not just, but way more than 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 Masvidal and I'm not saying that to talk shit about Jorge. I'm just saying like dude look at this guy. How? How could you deny him?
0: Exactly. Let's talk about Gunner Nelson because Gunner Nelson got such an awesome submission off a very sneaky elbow over a pretty damn durable guy in Brian Barbarina.
1: Absolutely. And I just got to a point where I couldn't really trust Gunner anymore. You know, I, I just, I didn't. And Hey, that's just that sometimes these guys they'll just prove you wrong, and that's fine. Uh he employed his uh strengths to great effect. He uh managed to use his um movement to get inside. And once he used that fly paper grappling, I was like, all right, Brian might be able to get out of this, and it's like, oh shit, no, wait. <laughs> and so I slapped that transition. And as soon as he stretched out and he raised the hips, I'm like, Yeah, man, that's a wrap. That shit's done. And good for him, man. That was pretty dope.
0: There's some things we must discuss, and that is his crazy karate stance, which is so exaggerated. I mean, the way the butt sticks out, and the stomach goes forward, and then the shoulders go back, so exaggerated. And it would be different if he was always in that side stance, that classic karate stance, but he frequently squares up in front of his opponent in that silly-ass stance. And I just fear for him sometimes, Doing that because somebody's going to catch him one day and just take him clean off his feet.
1: Well, you know what? When you got real karate in your back pocket, you got nothing to fear. Haya!
0: <laughs> and somebody, uh, I, I want to say, it was either Eugene or John, one or the other. Yesterday when we were recording Care Don't Care said, well, Stephen Thompson adopts the same stance, but he doesn't. No. His karate stance is actually picture perfect. It's not exaggerated the way that Gunnys is. It's almost like Gunnys—he's pantomiming it.
1: Who is this man striking, Coach?
0: I is because
1: this—he's been—he's been like this for quite some time.
0: He's out at Sbg a lot.
1: Yeah, but that's not his primary. Like, I, yeah,
0: mm. I know he has the the Icelandic MMA place where that they actually have a beer bar in the gym.
1: Yeah, the Fortress of Solitude, right? Yes. That's where Superman. To, no, never mind. But I'll
0: he, uh, the way that Connor was going on, um, after the after the fight, that I would, I would put money on that he spent some time at S.B.G. for this camp.
1: Oh boy. Oh well. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, if that's it's what depressing, we're doing,
0: like isn't this, it? I sh- man. man, I shit. I wonder. I often wonder if he were to spend that time that he spends at SBG, if he were to come over to the States and maybe spend that time with an ATT or an AKA or uh, with uh, Montoya or, or, or with uh, Usman and that camp. I mean, I often wonder what, how he and, and um, Johnny Walker and Mac one, Americani Mac Americani is my primary example. And we're going to get to him in a minute, but I just, I feel like SBG is a wasteland.
1: Listen, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you start out at SBG Ireland, you're going to do pretty well. You're going to have a pretty good foundation. You're going to be able to do things a certain way. If you come over after you've established yourself with a certain level of experience, mm-hmm. it gets dicey. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's just the environment. I don't know. Maybe it's not even the fault of the, of, of how they do things. Gunnar Nelson you're sitting there and telling me that this guy couldn't take two months to go to Tiger Muay Thai, you know, and and maybe do something. I I don't know shit something <laughs> I, I don't get it. Maquan would be the the probably the uh, the biggest beneficiary, but we're gonna get to him.
0: Yeah, because that's a lot of wasted talent right there. But anyways, let's look at Jennifer Mayo. You and I were so right,
2: boy. Yes. I'm giving
0: you the biggest high five. Listen, that was a good fight. Maya owned her ass for those first two rounds. Third round was where Casey woke up. But for those first two rounds, Jennifer Maya punished her for being insolent. Wow. (laughs) Yep. That is how I'm looking at it. That she punished her for being insolent. How dare you be in my octagon? That's how I look at
1: it it. (laughs) Like You make it sound like she was a villain out of Red Sony. I punish you for insolence. Like, damn. damn.
0: I mean, did you see how Casey... I don't know if you got to see this one live, but Casey's walkout is very much reminiscent of Ronda Rousey's walkouts. She walks out already psyched into a pissy mood her it shows on her face she's angry she's she's uh, scowling she's clenched jaw very mm. much with the tongue in the roof of her mouth pushing her teeth you know she's angry spitting nails that's the vibe you get when she's coming out and that's why i say jennifer maya punished her for being insulin
1: see okay uh for some people that sort of thing works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it carries you to a level, but I, I I don't know, man. Look, Casey, a lot of talent. She's got room for growth. I'm sure that this is not a surprise to her or anybody else surrounding her. Um, Give it time and she'll do great. And I hope she does. I really think that she's going to uh, gain a fair level of experience in short order and come back better. But, this was clearly not it. The advantage showed, right? Jennifer Maya hadn't been doing too well lately, but she showed with crisp and clean combinations. She's like, oh, you know what? It's free. You know, in the pocket. Boom, 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 boom. And then she swayed heavy to the left to avoid any other incoming offense. It was gorgeous. And I was just, you know, when when you see people, there are fighters— that when they do well, you feel happy for them. And I have that with Jennifer Maya. You know, I've had that for a very long time, where she's just, you, you can't, it's irresistible. You see her there smiling and hugging her, coaching, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is somebody whose hard work is paying off, and who has struggled a lot to get to where she is. Now, you can say that about a lot of fighters, obviously. But it's different when you're someone who's sort of toiled outside the edges of the UFC, instead of someone who came up at a prospect level. And, um... You know, Casey, I I feel a little bad here that she ate it in this one, but I think she'll be fine. I hope she learns the right lessons. She's surrounded by a great team. She's surrounded by a great staff. Uh, I have no doubt that with her talent and her abilities, barring some sort of freak injury, she's going to be probably another fixture in that division. But right now, man, I mean, you got to be happy for Maya, for doing things the way she did. And hey... She might just get another crack at the belt now that the 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 top is uh you know the scenery has changed at the top, so uh I'm curious to see how that goes
0: well for me uh it's it was a foregone conclusion in my book because Maya has only lost to champ to championship material right the only person outside of a champion contendership that she's fought is Manon Fioro and Manon Fioro is definitely I, in, yeah. in that conversation. Yeah. So we're looking at someone that only has lost to Valentina Shevchenko, Caitlin Shukagian, and Liz Carmouche in the last Jesus Christ since 2015. <sighs> That's the only P and Manon Fioro. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else she beats. Now, Casey O'Neill, on the other hand, her her dance card is much lighter. Her right. wins over Antonina Shevchenko and Ro- uh, Roxanne Montefiore's last fight. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone before that, your Shanna Dobson's, your Caitlin McEwen's. Okay, the, the these two resumes aren't even comparable. And in my eyes, this was foregone conclusion. I honestly don't see how anybody could have gone for Ke- uh, Casey O'Neill in that fight. Now, we'll say this. The scores on that were off because we had two judges that scored at 30-27 and one scored at 30-26. I disagree with that because I feel that... Casey probably edged out that third round. So I personally had a 29-28 for Jennifer Maya. I wasn't mad with the 30-27 because that third round could have gone either way. But I have a problem with 30-26
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, just to add to what you said here. Now, let's not forget, I predicted that Fioreau is going to be holding the belt at the end of the year. It seems possible way more possible now than when I said that earlier uh so that that just adds to what you said right you know you you Maya lost to her like that's none of these are bad losses, right you know what I'm saying like you right. lost to the champ the, the Shevchenko was looking unbeatable at the time, and it, 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 come on i mean yeah that that's they're, they're the experience it's one another one of those cases where like one person has lost to better people than the other person has beaten. And that's just that's just what it is, man. Things happen.
0: And remember, Maya was the first one to show the crack in Shevchenko's armor because she was the first one to lift the round off of her. Yes. All right. Now we're going to get to the final fight. No. Yes. The final fight that we actually chose, and that is Marvin Vittori defeating Roman Delizze. I didn't have a problem with this decision. I picked Delizze, as did you. Dulizia started really well, but his belief in his own power didn't translate so well when you measure it up against Marvin Vittori's insane chin and that that Italian skin that never breaks. <laughs> I mean to tell you, he he looked like he hadn't even been in a fight, really.
1: You know what I realized. Vittoria looks like a more handsome version of the what's the name of that guy from the Goonies with the melted face? You know what I'm talking about? The the deformed guy.
0: Yes. You're talking about um
1: I never saw the movie. Don't don't judge me on this. I don't I don't I don't know whatever the dude's name is. The point is, yeah, he kinda he, he kinda just has that I don't know, maybe it was that, that recovery. Sloth Sloth, that name. was his name? Yes, Sloth. All right. So that recovery pasta that he had after the weigh-ins seemed to have given him that plus 10 invincibility that most Italians have. (laughs) And hey, you get a free roll after that, so he probably buffed with another 12. And look, Roman, to his credit, man, I mean, he was putting it on him early. He was catching him early, but it's just like, dude, you got a guy who's got – crazy cardio and insane durability. I thought this was going to be the guy to pierce the armor and really just like, okay, you're probably not going to be getting up too too easily from some of these that you're going to eat. Nope. Turns out I was wrong and that's fine. Guess who else was wrong? Roman Dolidze, And things started to slow down for him. Vittori kept the same pace. I don't want to give him too much credit because it's not like he fought super tech, super, um, he fought technically, but it wasn't super strategic. It wasn't crazy smart. He just outlasted the guy and that's fine as well. But I don't take back anything that I said about him. I still believe the same things that I've said going in because he still keeps the same patterns and he still is the same guy. He's not very smart when it comes to a lot of these things. He's got a few tricks up his sleeve. He didn't have to worry about running out of weapons this time around because this remained largely a kickboxing match. And if that's what's going to happen, and things are left at a rather basic level, and the only differential is power, he's going to be able to come out the other end because he can eat those shots and he can still work with volume. It's not that different from what he did against Hermanson in some respects. It's not the same exact kind of fight, but you know what I mean, right? It's just yeah. I, can outlast, I can outlast this guy. I can still throw a whole lot of just punches and bunches, I will land more. I will do more. And this guy's going to be flustered. Well, you can't, he can't do that against guys like Costa, like uh, Adesanya. Uh, You know, it's it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, I I just hope he doesn't think that this immediately is going to put him in a title conversation because he's he's still got a ways to go for that to happen.
0: On the side of Dalize, Dalize really needs to calm down. He has zero (laughs) composure. He has ultimate faith in his own chin, too. The whole reason why he got so tattooed was because he gave not a single fuck about his own defense, (laughs) dropped his hands constantly, literally was leading with his face. I would like for Delizze to go to another team somewhere and learn some defense because he cannot rely on his hammers because clearly Marvin Vittori was able to get right through it no goddamn problem at all. Delizze has some work to do. And he doesn't have a whole lot of time. He's 34. He's running out of time. He got into the game late. He needs to to shore it up quickly or he's going to keep taking losses to everybody above him. He was ranked nine going into this. I don't know where he's going to end up, if they're going to dump him, if they're going to let him sit there or what. But if he plans on getting any higher than that, he really needs to get some defense going because he fought like an idiot, in my opinion.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, Man, harsh he did, words. He Goodness. did
0: not fight smart at all. Now mm. let's talk about someone who's so talented. This is going to be the last one we talk about, and then we'll jump into our quick topics. This one really, really stood out to me, and that the reason why is because MacWan Americani is talented. He has crazy offensive attacks but he's only good for one round i can't even say he's good for a whole round because before the end of the first round he had already blown his wad so by the time (laughs) the second comes around you know he's just primed he's primed to get taken out. And that's what Jack Shore did. He <laughs> bided his time and he waited him out. And sure enough, Mac and Amerikani gassed the fuck out and got choked the fuck out.
1: Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I just Okay. I'm sorry. I have the mind of a child. I just, I hear you say blue is wide and I just, it just sounds so funny. I can't (laughs) help it. I'm sorry, (laughs) but nah, yo, I can't disagree with that. The man's plagued with cardio problems that make me wonder like, is this a medical thing? Like, is it a training thing? I, you just feel bad for the guy, man. Remember when he came into the UFC Mm -hmm. that fight against Andy Ogle, the Mm -hmm. lightning knee, you know the, the 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 crowd adored him, and he called for his mom, and she's on camera crying. You know, the guy. I you, want people to his succeed. Potential. Yeah, right. I want people to do well. This isn't hater hour. I want the guy to shine and win and do well in life, but shit man I, I don't know like this what it's, needs to have what sbg
0: needs to, needs to be removed from the equation that's the problem and these guys are so loyal they'll take loss after loss after loss and never move
1: Come you imagine on. you imagine Amercani spending i don't know three months in colorado training at altitude oh
0: my god Yes, Can
1: you that's imagine that? Needs. not sure he'd have other things to fix, but if we were only to consider the element of changing the environment mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. and purely and simply that, mm-hmm. you see, I, I don't, I can't tell these people what to do. I am not the ultimate authority on all this stuff. I'm not a pro fighter myself. They could tell me, hey, what do you know? You think you're so good? You're so smart, motherfucker. You come in here and do it. And guess what? They'd be correct. However, at the same time. At the same time, right, I mean, I think, and I may be a little biased here because it's me talking, but I might have a bit of a point because guess what? Uh, it's worked for other people. We've seen other folks make those changes, and yes, I understand life is hard. I understand that it's difficult for people. Some of these cats got families. Some of these cats got support systems. They've got steady jobs outside of fighting. They can't just uproot all their shit and go halfway across the world to go do some training somewhere at another camp to try to shore up the you know thing A or thing B. It is what it is. And I understand that we are adults having an adult conversation. I understand these aspects of life. But come on, man, like these are things that these are problems that are not impossible to solve and that we've seen other fighters resolve, which makes it all the more frustrating to see. And a guy who's so good, a guy who could and in fact rightfully should be in the conversation of being a top 10 guy who maybe might be able to get into the top five, who maybe might be you know, just a win or two away from a title shot. That is the potential that we saw in him when he came on the scene and started getting those early wins. And yeah, he suffered some some uh some moments there, even in some of his wins he he did have some lapses and all that, but those were growing pains, and we hoped that he would progress past them. but then he left Sweden and left all stars and and now here we are, and maybe it might be a little too one maybe it's I don't know if it's too harsh for us to blame all of this squarely on s p g maybe he changed. You know what I'm saying maybe life change I don't know i mean it it could be a combination of all these factors or just two or three it could be that i i, I just i don't i don't want to be like super uh uh you know just just plain putting everything at, at just one um leaving it exactly at just one factor no i let let's let's for the sake of of conversation say that it could be any of these things but come on like. We got to be able to do something. Something needs to change. And I believe I still believe that he has the power to make those changes and adjustments and do better. And I want to see him do better. I just hope he doesn't get cut and that he's able to prove that he's able to show that not just to himself, but to everybody else.
0: All right. So I was going to do our regular routine of doing the 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 breakdown and then going into salacious headlines. But there, there are two other fights on this that I want to discuss. And we're going to can that because we have a special segment for our listeners coming up. So we're going to talk about two other fights really quick. And then we're going to bring in uh, our special segment. So the first one I wanted to speak on was Muhammad Makaya defeating Jafel Filio. Now that fight, my God. Wow. That um, knee bar slash heel hook that kept just, it was just morphing into one into the other. This, holy cow. And then Filio came out and said, after the fight, you know, after he, he got submitted, but he said that he could hear cracking and popping and tearing oh, sounds Jesus in Mokaev's knee. <clears throat> I was watching that with my hands over my eyes that whole sequence because i could feel it i i even i even tweeted out i am wincing because i can feel it i have terrible knees to begin with Mm
1: -hmm. oh my
0: god that thing was just insane gotta hear your take on it
1: yeah makai felt that shit too and he's sitting there going like oh if i had tapped it would have hurt worse like yeah look Mm -hmm. I understand that these guys are—they're—they're they're doing the whole pay, uh, show and win, you know. I'm sure that reputationally, this is something that he thinks will elevate him in some form of mythology, right? That despite the loss, he went out on a shield. But that's not gonna carry you too far, man. I don't know how many favors you think this is gonna do you in the future, and your body's gonna come collect off that shit. So let's see, and you know, let's hope that it doesn't affect him too badly. But. Uh, It's going to affect him one way or another. So I I just I feel bad for Filio, too, because apparently now he's saying that he felt uh, uh, a couple of taps. And now, you know, talking about he wants to appeal the loss, which, buddy, the day for that should have been the night of the fight. You don't do that now. There's no hope. That ship is unfortunately sailed.
0: Yeah, and nobody was saying anything last night about it. It's because they saw all of the the uproar over that perceived tap. I'm not sure what I saw. Uh, I'm just going to leave it alone. But <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about Joanne Wood and Luana Carolina, because here again, we had a questionable decision. That should not have been a split. It should have been all Joanne's fight it really should have however i will say this joanne had way too tough a time with a girl that is not known for talent and skill right right that was entirely too hard for joanne she should not have been i mean joanne would of five and a half anytime five six years ago would have had her out of there in the first round
1: you know uh, Luana had said, and shout out to <laughs> Dane Fox, who uh, does the uh, awards to make, you know, the, the little imaginary awards that he does after every show, which I think are probably the coolest addition that we've had in quite some time. Um, I, I, I really thank him for pointing out something that I had not noticed. And it was that Luana had mentioned, oh, I should start game planning for my fights. OK, you said that after the fight? Mm. You say that now after you've been in the UFC for this long? Like, imagine if she had game planned. You know, I just I and I was worried too that that Luana was going to take it because I saw some of those shots landing pretty hard, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking like, shit, this they this we keep this going at this pace, Joanne's going to probably crumple, and she didn't, and fine, and then afterwards I was like, well might be dicey. Then I hear it's announced as a split. I'm like, ah, here we go, man. I I really thought, I really thought for a moment that Luana was going to take it just based off of that. And I, and I agree with you 100%, you know, it's, it's something, it was a fight that when you look at Joanne and how well she's done in the past, you would not have expected for her to struggle like this. And I don't know. I I don't even know if the time that she's spending in Vegas now that she's been living there full time, like you, you'd think that that would help. I I don't get it.
0: Well, It doesn't help in my personal opinion to have your husband be your coach because you have to wonder, is he pulling back a little bit? And I have heard rumors from some people that train out there that say that she gets, you know, special treatment.
1: Right. And bearing
0: that in mind, it makes me wonder if she's being trained to the fullest potential that she can achieve. And I don't know that that's the case. Uh, you know who am i to tell her to not train with her husband though i'm nobody that's yeah. that's a decision that she and her husband and her team need to make but you know it just i'm glad she got the win she really needed that win but it was entirely too hard for her there is no doubt about that
2: mm-hmm.
0: now there was a fight i wanted to ask you really quickly did you see Lerone Murphy and Gabriel Santos's fight it was a Phenomenal fight,
1: very. La- love that guy.
0: But okay, that split decision. I chose Larone Murphy on the bloody elbow staff picks, but I swear to God, I feel like Gabriel Santos won that fight.
1: Mm. And I, was I can see the case for that. It was the the problem is it's when you have a really good but also very close fight. You know, Gabriel impressed, man. He he came in. He showed like, yo, this dude belongs in the UFC. I'm glad they just signed that guy and brought him in. But, ah, damn. You know, I mm, I don't know that I'd give it to him, frankly. I, again, I'd probably have to rewatch it, and I'm probably going to anyway because that shit was fire. <laughs> but, nah, I, I don't know, man. I'm sticking with Lerone getting the nod rightfully in that one. I don't know. I just kind of felt like he did – I think he just did enough.
0: What did you think of Jushko Todorovic's knee injury?
1: Very unfortunate because, you know, no matter what Christian Duncan wanted to do in there, he didn't get to really you – know, he gets his first UFC win, but it's not really like – even you can tell that he didn't feel like it was earned. So that was also – uh you know, it, it's, these things are going to happen. You know, and uh, injuries of that level, you just hope that Dusko isn't hurt too badly, and that it's one of those things that doesn't require surgery and that doesn't keep him out too long, and he can be able to come back and you know just sort of bounce back from that. You can't really hold that against him. Injuries are injuries, and I uh, yeah, it, it's a rough break for a kid that. Uh, has he's still rough around the edges but he's still a kid who's got a lot of talent and a lot of potential and he can really make great things happen so uh let's hope he's able to come back soon and uh let's hope that the UFC is able to treat Christian Duncan uh well enough because that kid that guy that guy has a lot of talent that guy's going to turn some heads so who knows they might even have a rematch at some point given their skill level and, and what the division looks like
0: indeed Kidney, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yay. So we've been promising this special segment here. And what we have done is we have reviewed UFC 286. And what we normally do is we have salacious headlines right now. But we wanted to save our salacious headline for you. So I, I asked you last night to go and peruse so what did you come up with for our salacious headline today?
2: Well, I found something that I agreed with, that I figured all you uh, hardcore UFC regular Normie fans would find appalling and outrageous. Leon Edwards. You remember him, right? I, I would do. defend his title. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was acquainted with him, too. I'd seen him win the title, actually, recently, and then was <laughs> excited to see him defending his title. And he did it well. But he's calling... For one George Masvidal to step up and challenge him for the title. I think that's great because I remember three shakes and a fry or three burgers and a dog. What was it that uh, the three the, piece in the, the, the a soda? Ordered? Three piece in a soda. Yes. I haven't worked in fast food so long. I can't keep track of all the lingo you kids use <laughs> with your aprons and the paper hats and everything. But yeah, yeah the three piece in a soda fight. Like I remember that. That was hot stuff. Let's sort that out in the cage. That's what this is all about. Do I remember the fact that George Masvidal is washed and hasn't won a fight since 2019? No. Do I care? No, not at all. <laughs> I want to see that fight. Let's book it. Let's make it happen. It's better than Edwards against Colby Crappington, and it's better than, you know, Bilal Muhammad or any of the deserving guys in that division. They're all boring. I don't remember them punching anybody in a video that I watched over and over again and had some... Amusing fast food related lingo. What was it again? The three nuggets and a mac? <laughs> the McRib and the what? <laughs> three, three French fries and a milkshake. <laughs> three fries and a shake. Now that's a great combo. I love fries with a shake. Uh, it's a three piece and a soda. Let's see it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. That's the kind of thing we want to see is fights with people whose names we know. You know, it's like Cheers. I don't know if you kids have heard of Cheers, but it was an old show where everybody knew your name. And that's what we want. We want a show a fight show where we know everybody's name. Is that so much to ask?
0: Not at all. But I do want to ask you this. What did you think of Dana announcing Colby Covington because, and I quote, he deserves
2: it? (laughs) I mean, you know, Dana, if people started getting what they deserved, I'd make another Slap happy, pappy joke about power slap and the wife beating and all. So nobody, Colby Covington doesn't deserve a title shot. Why? Because he may wait for Saturday night. I mean, people do that all the time and they don't get title shots. That was just like, I think maybe Dana only remembers Colby Covington. He can't remember who else is in the division because he hasn't been going to the fights. Maybe that's the explanation. I don't know. But Colby, is there a demand for Colby? Are people crying out for Colby in a title shot? I'm not in my circles.
1: Colby fever, catch it.
2: <laughs> indeed, indeed. I mean, shouldn't Colby be working security at these DeSantis rallies where the Trump fans are coming in and and stirring things up and starting trouble? I mean, no,
1: the volunteer bodyguard shit. The vo- the volunteer goon role is Bryce Mitchell. He, Colby doesn't do that. He's at the poker tables. Yeah, sipping Bacardi and uh, you know having Shirley Temples. I
2: see. I see. Well, somebody's got to do it. And should we be cursing more since people are paying five dollars for this bonus content?
1: We oh,
0: can curse been, all we want. We we been we have been. Don't you worry.
1: Oh, okay. trust me. Does does he realize that I'm here? Does he has he listened? Oh, Come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yep. so Nate, I got to ask you real quick, what can we expect from the MMA bunker? Because, you know, the MMA bunker is coming back, and we haven't seen one of those in two years. And before that, it was probably three or four years before that.
2: Well, we won't see much of anything because right. I'll be recording audio only. Right. So you'll have to imagine a deranged short man <laughs> in a dark room with bad lighting and a pretty nice, uh, saw not sawed off, but very short Just barely legal, pump-action shotgun, Remington 370. I want to say. But uh, so, just imagine that leaning up against the door, knuckles cracking, sweaty face. You know,
0: (laughs) do do you have a "Make America Great Again" hat on?
2: I don't own a great "Make America Great" (laughs) hat, but if I still want off Colby Covington's head, I'll be sure and wear it.
1: (laughs) Are you are you going to be mumbling "pistol grip pumps" lyrics to yourself while that happens? (laughs) (laughs) we're <laughs> we doing that because that would really make me happy just that would say make yes me and i'll, happy be, I'll go to sleep easy for
2: you for you Vic. Yes.
0: i mean i feel yes. like that right there i think that we would need a little video clip of that we can memorize and we could attach it to all the episodes too P- you know nate cracking the 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 short pump action shotgun pistol grip yep. pump blaring in the background
1: I mean, I was gonna ask, like, I understand it's Texas, but like why would you of all people need that? I, I you know. I've I, got I bad
2: know. eyesight, Vic. I've got bad eyesight and no time to get down to the range. And if you're shooting a nine millimeter or a thirty-two, something like that, the little fellow like myself can handle, I can hit the broad side of the barn with something like that. I need that spray, that healthy double buckshot spray. first shot, you know, I usually love some some salt, rock salt in there for the warning shot. And then it's double lot. So, mm.
0: so you mm. like you like the medium sized hole in the front and the gigantic spray in the back.
1: <laughs> that like- sounds that sounded vaguely pornographic. I'm gonna let that go though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've
1: done. An, I've had. I've had enough interjections on that front.
2: Not my scene. Not my scene. I just feel it's not sporting to fire murder, murder shell. You know, on the first warning shot. I, I'd like to. I think if it's kids or a dog burglarizing my yard, that I'll let them off easy with little rock salt in the tailbone, the old fashioned way. And if they uh, keep yeah. coming, then we'll cut them in half with the uh, buckshot. So.
0: Nate's the guy that when he was little would shoot other kids with, you know, you take the, the piece of paper and fold it up and use that in place of a BB still does the same amount of damage, maybe even more, but that's neat. Oh, it's just a little uh, rock salt. That's not going to hurt much.
1: <laughs> the camera the camera zooms in on his face dramatically as he says quietly to himself fuck them kids <laughs> and it's, he's right it's not gonna
2: hurt it's just paper
1: ah walk I it off
2: i can't comment but i can say i've been researching my butt off for the mma bunker i've been dusting off all my old contacts i've been listening to the richard belzer uh, podcast i haven't figured out what that has wait, to do wait. with mma <laughs> Richard but, uh, Belzer,
0: <laughs> but uh,
2: you know the guy was on a lot of good cop shows, so I hear he's got the inside skinny on uh, the wrestling and the uh, UFC business stuff. But I'm still researching, so I'll get back to you on on the details. So. <laughs> and the the Jim Colonel or something like that, like a guy with a tennis racket. I hear he's also like got all the background. Uh, Jim
1: Cornette. No. Jim man, Cornette.
2: Yeah. Jim mm-hmm. Cornell. Uh Jim Chevette something like that. It's one of those. <laughs> one of those.
1: One of those guys. This so is I've what hanging out This is what hanging out with Eugene S. Robinson will do to you. Now you can't pronounce shit. This is about, I think actually I applaud it. I we should see more of this. This is pure disrespect him. on every intentional form. I think this is fantastic. <laughs> Oh my God. I taught
2: him everything he knows about mispronouncing names.
0: Have you not everything. heard John Nash? Because no one mangles a name worse than, than John. And and that's my brother, but I swear to God, he, he tries mangle- to
2: keep up. He tries to keep up with the mispronouncing, <laughs> but I think it's, it's an obvious act. It's, it's just, it's beneath him really.
0: So Nate, real quick though, uh, just off topic for a second. You've got this, this, uh, very awesome let it roll podcast but you've got a specific grouping a series going on for the next couple of weeks just give us a a spitball version of that
2: we've got two things going on we've got our 80s roll series which is discussing Michelangelo Matos's incredible can't slow down how 1984 became pop's blockbuster year so it's two grizzled gen xers mm-hmm. who lived through it but kind of had our heads up our asses and missed most of it because we were so into the hard rock and the guitars and everything and didn't appreciate the culture clubs and the Duran Duran's as much as we should have in retrospect of course the Michaels and the Princes and Madonnas and Cindy's so we're Ed like and I are covering that on Mondays for the next I don't know how many weeks and I'm also dropping a six-part series on Thursdays Three Kings of of American Pop, where I'm taking interviews that I did in 2019, 2020, and 2021, putting them together in order. It's two interviews with Bing Crosby, biographer Gary Giddens about Bing Crosby, two interviews with Frank Sinatra, biographer James Kaplan about Frank Sinatra, and two interviews with the host of the TCB cast uh, about Elvis Presley based on Peter uh, Goralnik's two-part book series and the HBO The Searcher documentary, and the deal is those three guys were the biggest pop stars in America between 1930 and 1970. They all were stars of recording, live performance and broadcast, especially radio and television in the later years. All three of them were big on TV and movies. The real thing is the connection in the middle of the America of the 20th century between American music stardom and movie stardom. All three of these guys were Massive Hollywood box office draws and two out of the three of them became like Oscar winning actors. So and Elvis, of course, never got that shot because of Colonel Tom Parker's wickedness. So anyway, if you dig that sort of thing, check out the Three Kings of American pop miniseries on Let It Roll.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to because I, I, I just I had a thing before where I just didn't like eighties music when I was younger. Like I guess I kinda grew into it. I just I don't know. I mean, I I, I my my taste and everything changed. But, you know, hey, look, I'm a grizzled uh older guy in some ways too. I've been you know, I've, I've been I've been smoking cigars and eating ass. It's not 11. I'm an adult. You know I'm, I, I'm, a different, I'm a different kind of cat. I can adjust to this different. And I was disappointed you mentioned TCB. I thought you said THC for a second. My head. You, uh, I did that. That SpongeBob caveman thing for a second. Like, oh, shit. OK, he's talking about something else. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'll still listen.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Lack
1: of weed notwithstanding. I'll still listen.
2: You know what's cool?
1: With Elvis, you got
2: to focus on the pills. Yeah.
0: But you you know what's cool about Elvis? The the TCB cast, Taking Care of Business, that – I don't think people realize that was Elvis's slogan. All these people, the the songs, the Taking Care of Business song, all that was rooted from Elvis. That was his thing. And I didn't yeah. know that until recently, you know, from from this show, from producing the show since its inception. But I had no idea that Taking Care of Business, that that all-time epic slogan came from Elvis.
2: I don't know that he invented it. I don't he think he, but he certainly it.
0: adopted it and made it popular.
2: He did. And he named his
1: band the TCB yes. Band. So,
0: yeah. No, I, I thought
1: that's... it was because of the hair products. <laughs> nope. Nope. A <laughs> win is a win. I'll take it. I used to use that shit all the time as a kid. Hell yeah.
0: All right. So, on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to start. And do my regular routine And then I'm going to turn it over to Nate To give us a one final word before we wrap up So, do me a favor Follow Nate on Twitter At KidNate Follow Victor on Twitter At VicMRodriguez Follow Mookie on Twitter At Mookie Alexander. Myself at CrooklynMMA The show at Level Change Pod. Um, do me a favor Listen to the commercial at the end It will tell you everything you need to do But definitely get to uh, bloodyelbow.substack.com or bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. And you can find our newsletter. You can find our new substack. And as always, this show is free. All of our shows are free. It's only the bonus content that ends up behind the paywall. We're not taking anything from you. So keep that in mind. Now, Nate, I want to turn it over to you because you are our fearless leader. So if you have any words of wisdom in your genius mind to disseminate, please do so.
2: I mean, all I can say is that next time there will be more cursing. I <laughs> mean, the S word, the F word, maybe both of the F words. Oh, the I know C that word.
1: One. That was a good one. The I like C that word.
2: word and not the one, not the really dirty one, but this not quite as dirty one.
1: Oh. Um,
2: yeah. You know, but maybe if we do a $20 episode, I'll be dropping the C-bomb. We'll we'll do it. We'll make it an Israel Adesanya special. <laughs> All
1: right. You could do a thing on the Sex Pistols and, you know, hey, look, it's the UK thing, man. You just every couple of seconds, you go, every couple of minutes, it's the UK thing. It's not me. Like, yeah, wink.
2: You wink, wink. Yeah, this is how they do it in New Zealand. That's what I'll be saying the whole time. This is how the hobbits talk. Oh, the God. hobbits talk. Oh, my. It's what Sam calls Frodo. I mean, every time he walks in the door. Frodo, you effing... <laughs> that's
1: that's probably like the last thing you want to hear in some sort of insane sexual escapade. This is how they do it in New Zealand. No, wait a minute. <laughs> we need to address this. Hold on a this minute. This
2: is how the hobbits do it in New Zealand would be the technically technically
1: correct. That's, something, that, that's something Eugene would say. And I don't know how I feel about that, if that's good or not.
0: all right folks on that note y'all know the drill Till next time please stay safe the bloody elbow podcast network is moving that's right we're moving from soundcloud and youtube to substack it will still be available through your current itunes spotify and stitcher subscriptions but the main home of the bloody elbow podcast network will now be on substack While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.